Good? We got to work on this. How you guys doing? There we go. There we go. Yes, that's right. I'm glad it falls here. We're excited about fall, aren't we? You know, we're in this family value series, and, um, and today we're going to talk about something that is, you know, lots of fun. We're talking about persecution. Whoa. Whoa. All right. Yeah, I know. If you'd known that I was going to talk about persecution ahead of time, you know, you'd be like, I don't know. I'm going to skip this week. What's persecution? Listen, the, the, some of the worst persecution that I've ever faced was when I was out clothes shopping with my wife. I'm kidding. <laughs> I know. I know. No, here's, here's the story, right? Have you got, gentlemen, you've been there, right? You've, you've been out shopping, and she tries something on, and, and, and you go, babe, it looks awesome. You look so beautiful. That dress, it matches your eyes. Oh, and, and, and now my wife can attest to this. I'll say, you need to get some new shoes to go with that, too. I, I do. I say. I'm like, go get those shoes. And so she gets the shoes. She tries them all on. I'm like, girl, you're looking fine today, you know? Like, you need to buy this. And, and, and then she's like, nah, hangs it up on the rack. I'm like, come on, that was awesome. So they go to the next store, and again, oh, you're looking so good. And then she's like, I don't know. I'm not sure. You see, my, my wife likes to save money. How many guys like, how many ladies like to save money? Like to save money, that's right, you got to sale. Listen, it's okay, guys, we got our revenge. Every once in a while, we go to Lowe's. And I can walk the aisles of that store for hours and hours on end. How about the tool store? How many guys like going to the tool store? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right, I go to the tool store. I can wander the aisles of Harbor Freight all day long. And, and, and I'm sure my wife feels the same way. It's just a hammer. Babe, there's like 800 hammers on this wall. I'm going to personally try every one of them and make sure. And, and she's like, that, that, that hammer looks so manly. Makes your arms look big and strong. You're like, you should get that hammer. And I'm like, no, no I don't know. It doesn't quite feel right. It doesn't quite feel right. You know? So, but really, that's not persecution. Persecution in our country is pretty minimal when you really think about it. You know, when you go around the world and look at Christians and other countries, they face persecution that we in our country really have never faced and may never face. You never know what will happen in the future. But there's some countries, if you say that you're a follower of Christ and that you're putting your faith in Jesus Christ, they execute you. They kill you and cut your head off and stick it on a stake and put it in the ground so everybody can look and see this is what happens when you declare your faith in Christ. Or they'll cut your tongue out. Or they'll, they'll do all kinds of crazy things. They will excommunicate you from families. You'll be entirely kicked out, isolated, left alone. I'm telling you, in some countries, persecution is real. They'll put you in the public square and flog you and beat you with things and, and make you pay, make you a public spectacle so that everybody knows if you become a Christian, this is what's going to happen to you. In fact, when you look in the early church, the, 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 uh, the leaders of the early church talk about it, how they were persecuted. There's a guy named Stephen who was stoned to death. No, it's not that kind of stoning. It's real rocks that they throw on people until they crush them to death, right? They, they, they throw big rocks at them until they eventually die. And, and that's real persecution, that's real persecution. But, you know, I want to talk about persecution and, and what it means because we've been looking at family values. And as Christians and as Christian homes, and if you're here this morning, you're not a believer in Christ today, that's okay. I want to make an opportunity for you to make that decision at the end of the service if you'd like to. But um, this is something that you need to know if you're coming in to being a Christian that some people hate Christians. I know you can open up your social media feed. You can open up Facebook and you can see that there are some people who hate Christians, even in our country. So our persecution looks a little bit different than it does in other places. But nonetheless, there is still persecution for our faith inside of our own country. You know, I, I, one of the things that really marked me as a kid growing up was I had a, there was somebody that was a bully towards me when I was in elementary school. How many of you guys ever got bullied in school? Someone, someone picked on you. 
so that if you don't have your hand up, then maybe you are the bully. I don't know. But, uh, but I'm kidding. But, but it's still, sometimes there's things that, what? back up here. I had a bully. And this guy called me Fat Matt because it rhymed, you know, and, and it doesn't take too much intelligence to come up with that one right there. But he called me Fat Matt all the time. And you know, hey, Fat Matt. And then you get other kids singing along, Fat Matt, Fat Matt, Fat Matt. And then I'd cry because I was a little overweight and, and, and it was kind of fit a little bit, you know. But, but I got called Fat Matt and I really hated it. It really crushed me, you know. Well, his, his last name was Abbott, A-B-B-O-T-T, Abbott. And so I started calling him A-Butt, you know, because, yeah. So be, be quiet, A-Butt. <laughs> You're such a butt. Your last name's even butt. Yeah. And so I, it, it's like elementary grade, like persecution going on there, right? Had nothing to do with my faith. <laughs> nothing at all. But it was some persecution, right? And so we've been working through Matthew chapter 5. In the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, there's a little section of, of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the first section, and it's called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes, and there's like the blessed are. Blessed are, blessed are. And there's, there's actually uh, 10 verses there that really cover these different beatitudes. And so what we've been doing is saying, hey, these are some values that we can apply to our homes, and we can apply even in our church, and we can apply in different areas of our life. And so these are values that we can apply right in to where uh, we live. And, and so we've been coming at this from this idea uh, for the last month, as we've been talking about family values, that we're not just a Christian home, we are a Christ-centered family. We're not just a Christian home, but we're a Christ-centered family. And there's a difference. Because if you're a Christian home, you've added God to your household, and he has a little spot in the corner, or maybe he has a spot on the couch, but he's not the center of your home, the center of your decision-making, the center of how you decide things to operate inside of your house, inside of your family. And so we're not just a Christian home. We're Christ-centered family. And so as a Christ-centered family, you will be persecuted. As a Christ-centered family, you will be persecuted. Because if you are a Christ-centered family, there are things that will change in your life to where you will no longer blend in with the culture around you. You will stick out when you start to become a Christ-centered family. <clears throat> and being, being persecuted doesn't necessarily look like you're getting your head cut off in our, in our thing, but maybe, maybe someone performed a friendectomy on you and unfriended you on Facebook. You know, may, maybe someone just, just like pushed you out and blocked you on, on social media, or maybe they, they blocked you in your phone calls, and all of a sudden you're calling them and they don't ever answer the phone anymore because they don't want to be around you anymore because of the changes that have been happening in your life as you become more and more Christ centered. Sometimes you get uninvited to things, or you do get invited to things, but when you show up, there's a little murmur of what's happening. In fact, as a pastor, and I'm also involved with the PTA, my kid's school. I'm very, pretty involved in the school. People I've never met before are like, oh, you're, you're the pastor, huh? I'm like, you're the engineer, huh? Yeah, yeah I know about you engineers. <laughs> but, you know, like, like they have this stigma of, of like, oh, you're the pastor. Oh, yeah, you know. And then, so then all of a sudden they, they, start, they, they start cussing, and then I'll come walking up. They'll be cussing with their friends. I come walking up, and then all of a sudden they, they stop. They're like, oh, shh, it's the pastor. You know, I don't want to, you know, like, yeah, don't, don't, you know, my ears are not like virgin to cuss words. <laughs> You're not going to like steal my innocence or something. I, I've, I've heard in these things once or twice before in my life. Never spoken them, of course, right? But no, I'm kidding. But what I'm saying, you know, they would, their, their attitudes change when I start walking up into the room. Before I was a pastor of a church, 
there were other times where I had instances where people would also change their behavior around me or they'd separate themselves from me because they knew that I was a Christ follower long before I was a pastor. And my relationship with people changed in a certain way. Now, maybe that's not persecution as outlined in the Bible, but it can be rough going through some of that, can't it? You can be alienated from people. You might miss out on a job promotion. You might miss out on things in your life because, because they know that you're a Christ follower and they don't want that voice and that influence in the next level of management. And now they won't come up and say, oh, it's because you're a Christian, I'm not going to promote you, right? But, but, they, but they may say, well, well, it's this or that or the other thing. You know, that your, your job performance isn't up to par. You don't get invited to the party. A friend of mine, a friend of mine was telling this story about how he moved into a new neighborhood and the neighborhood association through these once-a-month get-togethers. And so he shows up and, and, and to the get-together, and a bunch of people are there at the pool, inside of the neighborhood association pool and everything, and they're hanging out, and, and this guy's telling them, like, like, yeah, normally these parties are way funner. This, the new, the, my, my pastor friend is, is there, and he's talking, and, and the guy says, normally these parties are way, way funner, but, but this one's going to be kind of a downer. We don't have a keg or any beer or anything this time. And there's this, I don't know, there's this new family that moved in. I guess they're pastors, and... I mean, so I guess we got to change everything we're doing now. We can't have any more fun at these things. And, and so he's like, yeah, so who are you? He's like, well, what, what, what do you do for a living? He's like, I ruin keg parties for a living. <laughs> People will change, and they will adjust themselves to what you are presenting and who you are centered around. Pretty soon, if they learn that you're Christ-centered, they stop inviting you to go places that they know that you're not going to be going. It's pretty, pretty wild how that kind of stuff happens. And, and so... You're not invited to the party. But you see, when we look through the last few weeks, week one, we talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. See, if you are hungering and thirsting for, unrighteous, for righteousness in an unrighteous world, you're going to be different. If you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness in an unrighteous world, you're going to be different. We talked about being pure in heart in week number two. And, and being pure in heart, if you are pursuing purity in your life, in a world that is polluted with impurities everywhere, you're going to stand out. You're going to be different. You're not going to blend into the fabric of society. People will notice that you're a little bit different. A couple weeks ago, we talked about doing life in community, doing groups, how circles are, are better than rows, and, and, and how having small groups and, and, and being able to challenge each other and grow together, that's unusual. It's unusual in this world to have that. In our, in our culture, particularly, everybody's independent, aren't they? Look, I got it. I'm not going to show any of my weaknesses to you. I have them, but I'm going to put on my game face. But as, as Christ followers, we don't put on our game face with each other. We all understand that, that we are searching and seeking after the one who has all the answers. I don't have all the answers. And so when we get together in small groups, we end up challenging each other to, to grow more and more and stronger and stronger in, in Christ. It's different than the world. And so we, we stand out. And last week we talked about, blessed are the peacemakers. In the world of Jerry Springers and Real Housewives and, and all the other TV shows that, that are encouraging and celebrating almost the drama of people fighting and, and antagonizing each other, jump on Facebook and, and watch the, 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 the trolls jump on the comments and, and start to just pit everybody against each other and dispute the anger and their disagreement and, their, and then they spill it all over the place. And if you're, in a world, if you're in a world that is fighting peace, that is actually trying to pit one another against each other, turn on the news, turn on everything that you watch in media these days, and it seems like there's one side that's angry at the other side, whether it's justified or not. It's angry, and they're attacking each other. If you're a peacemaker... 
You're going to make peace in these situations. You're going to stand out a little bit. You're going to stand out. So here we are in verse 10. We're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. It says, Blessed are the, those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Listen, if you're persecuted just because you're persecuted, my elementary school bully was not persecuting me because of my righteousness. I guarantee you that. He was just picking on me because, I don't know, probably I was an easy target. But blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, they persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Persecuted because of righteousness, because of the way that you live. As Christ-centered families, our life looks different. You see, it even goes back all the way to the beginning where Cain and Abel, in the beginning of the Bible. Cain Cain killed Abel, but Abel didn't preach to Cain. Abel didn't tell Cain, you are the worst offering giver. He didn't didn't do that. He didn't go and tell him, hey, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. He didn't preach to him at all. His life was such a model that his brother felt guilty. And his brother went and, and killed him anyway. He persecuted his own brother because his brother was the example. Sometimes when we're living a Christ-centered life, you don't even have to say anything, but all of a sudden you start to model what it looks like to be a Christ follower. And you start to model what it looks like to, to have, be pure in heart, to, to have a, a righteous life, and, and, and all of a sudden persecution comes. Cain was upset with Abel because his brother did everything right. So Cain was convicted. Young people, I know in school, people are going to make fun of you, whether you're in middle school, high school, college, because you, maybe you're saving yourself for marriage and you're not going to have sex before you get married. That's different, isn't it? The rest of the world tells you, sleep around. Have sex with whoever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, however you want. It's, like, it's, it's free, right? It's free, baby. Just get it. But no, that's, that's not how God calls us to live. God calls us to, to live in a different way. So if young person, listen, if you feel the pressure from, from your peers and from people in your school, I'm telling you, listen, you're doing something right. You're doing something right. You're standing out. You're standing out from the crowd, and that's, that's actually a, a good thing. You know, families, you refuse to go to certain kinds of movies with your friends, or you refuse to watch certain kinds of movies because of the, the content that, are in, that is in it. You try to keep yourself pure of heart, and you say, there's really nothing worthwhile. There's... I'm not going to watch that because there's some poop in the brownies. You know what I'm saying, all my week, week two people. Half of you are like, what is he? Don't worry. Go back and watch it online. Pure in heart, if you just mix a little bit of poop into your brownies. Listen, there's some really great chunks of chocolate in there, you know. It's, it's really not that. There's only a little bit of poop, right? Only a little bit of poop in the brownies. Listen, that movie you're watching, it's hilarious, but there's like some scenes in there that you know you shouldn't be exposing yourself to. There's just a little bit of poop in those brownies. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, that, that's, and so, just to get you guys up, you know. But you don't go to certain kinds of movies. Well, now at, at work, your friends are talking about this movie and laughing and telling the punchlines, and they're all, ha, ha, ha. And you're like, huh? You know what I'm saying? Like, all of a sudden, you have this removal where you do have a, you're missing out on some social connection with people. But, but I'm telling you, you stand out. And they see it, and they notice it. And they're going to call you weird, and they're going to say, you're an oddball. Like, what's wrong with you? That movie wasn't that bad. You should have, it was really funny, wasn't it? And maybe you don't let your kids play on certain sports teams because their games are the times you want to go to church. Oh, man, 
You're, you're seriously going to sacrifice their future in, in sports athletics to go to church? Yeah, my four-year-old's going to miss out on the championship trophy of the five-year-old league or whatever it is, you know? Like, no, no, I think a better future to invest in is church, you know? I think it's important to invest into the spiritual, spiritual life of your child more than the athletic team of your child, you know? Like, I really believe that. And I, my kids are into sports and they're doing different things, but, but I'm telling you that if the league is always going to be playing on Sunday, we're not going to be in that league because my kids are going to be in church because that's a better future for them than how hard they can kick a soccer ball or how many touchdown passes they can throw or, or, or how many yards they get in the game. You know, like, that's really it because in, in 10 years and in 12 years and in 15 years, when they're past the sports age in their life, where are they going to be? The real future of their life is for the rest of their life. So, if you are a Christ-centered family, you're going to be persecuted. So, as believers, we have to prepare our family for persecution. That sounds harsh. What do you do? Well, we line them up once a week, and we flog them. It's just kidding. <laughs> Renounce your faith. <laughs> no. We don't, we don't do that. That's, yeah. Just so you <laughs> but, you know, there's things that, that you can do to help prepare your family for persecution. You can help your kids. You can help your, your spouse. You can help other people. Maybe your family's prepared, but you're, maybe you're helping in another family help them be prepared. Number one is this, is, is how do you give your faith? Well, you want to prepare them by giving them deep roots in their faith. So number one is this. You've got to expect it. You've got to expect it. In 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you follow Christ you will have some level of persecution in your life. You will be different, and it will cost you something. It will be different, and it will cost you something. I have a friend of mine that was homeschooling their kids, and, and all their friends were saying, you're so weird. Why are you homeschooling your, your kids? Are they, are they going to get a proper education? Or are they going to learn how to read? Well, homeschool kids are weird, aren't they? No, they're not weird. But, but sometimes... They, there's like this, this, this thing that can happen, right? Where people get this weird stigma and they start to look at you in a weird light. And I'm not saying you should or shouldn't do homeschooling. I think some people are called to homeschooling. If you're called to it, you should do it. I think if you're not called to it, you shouldn't do it. You know, you got to have some grace from God to be able to homeschool your kids. And so, but if you're called to homeschool your kids, you're different right out of the gate. If you believe God's calling you to homeschool your kids, then you're going to have some people that are going to say, what are they going to do? Wear denim and long denim skirts and churn butter all day? I mean, what... What, what do homeschool kids do? Like, listen, they, I, I've seen some homeschool kids in denim skirts, and they look good. Yeah. And the butter's amazing. Listen, homeschool, homeschooling is great. But if you do that, if you choose to do that because God's calling you to do that, and you're Christ-centered as a family, and you believe God is calling you to do something. When God's calling you to do something, I can tell you that you're Christ-centered. Especially if you're doing something that's countercultural. Especially if it's something that's countercultural. You won't see that movie. You won't do this. You won't do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because God told me to do these things. Listen, you will stand out because you are Christ-centered. People are going to make fun of you. Maybe for you, it's being Christ-centered and showing up at Thanksgiving dinner and saying, hey, can we bow our heads and say grace before we eat this meal? And you got family members going to be like, why are you even doing that? They're going to pick on you. They're going to criticize you. Really, you pray to God? That's so weird. Listen, you will be criticized. You will be persecuted in some way. You might get harassed on social media or Facebook. They harass you for reading your Bible, and you don't get invited to the party, or 
May they harass, harass you for what you wear or what you, maybe what you won't wear because it makes you look a certain way. I really think that you can show your kids small and controlled doses of persecution to help them understand that it's out there. I think if you shelter your kids too much, when they finally hit the real world, it's such a shock that they can't handle it. If you're raising your kids, your goal is by the time before they leave your house, they're fully functioning adults before they leave. And kids, it is hard. I know it is hard. You get to this place and you're sophomore, junior in high school, senior in high school. By the time you get to senior in high school, you think you have it all figured out. In fact, you know your parents have become the dumbest people on earth, right? And you know it all. Of course, when you turn 22, all of a sudden you realize your parents weren't so dumb after all. They got so smart in like four years. It's incredible. (laughs) But if you're going through school, I'm telling you, there's a point where your parents are trying to train you to be an adult. Their goal is to get you to function as an adult before you leave the house. That way you don't step out of the shallow end into, you don't step from a kiddie pool into the deep end of the pool overnight. They try to get you gradually stronger and stronger and stronger as you're growing, as you're growing up. So, so parents, you're not trying to shelter them. You've got to show them that, they're, hey, there's some people that don't like you because of what you do. I've already taught my kids, hey, listen, some people, they're just not going to like you. You don't answer to them. In fact, you don't answer to them at all. In fact, if you are shaping your life based on what other people think of you, you are now adapting everything. Your life is not Christ-centered anymore. It is now mankind-centered based on what this other person is now telling you, right? You're now shaping my decisions on what they said instead of what God said. It's a subtle shift sometimes. And we, we tell ourselves, oh, we're going to be in the world but not of the world. So we've got to be culturally relevant, don't we? Yeah, but you don't have to watch that movie. You know, you don't have to participate in those things. When the guys want to go out for drinks after work and the, at, at some uh, mildly inappropriate place, maybe where women are scantily clad or even not clad, and you, and you say, I'm not going to that. Listen, you can set standards and boundaries and protect yourself from those things that you don't have to be part of. So our, our country is, is growing a little more hostile towards Christians. Just kind of as we progress, it seems like Christian values become less and less important as a nation. And you're seeing this now where people are becoming more and more vocal against, against Christians. It, it's, it's something that is, that is happening. So we've got to be able to train our kids and our families to, to be able to withstand that. You've got to show your kids the small and controlled doses of persecution. We don't watch the same movies or play the same video games as everyone else. They get a small dose of we're not the same as everyone else. My kids get a small dose of that. They understand. The kids start talking about a video game at school that's inappropriate for that age group. And my kids don't get to play it. They've asked, hey, can we buy this? Can we get this video game? No, you can't because it's inappropriate. And they get it. And they go to school and their friends talk about it. And they don't quite fit into that conversation. And I'm okay. I'd rather have them face a little bit of persecution in my home. I'd rather have them face a little bit of social discomfort in my home so they understand that as they grow up and get older and older and older, that that they're able to handle it when it comes. Because the older they get, it's not going to get any easier. The older you get, it's not going to get any easier. It It just doesn't. So we got to be willing to be different. Before we had kids, Amber and I were willing to be different. In fact, Amber would take off time from work. She would use her vacation days so we could take the youth group to summer camp. And so we'd take a week and load up vans full of teenagers and take them out to summer camp. And, and Amber was, was working for a big mega corporation. And she would take her vacation days and use those to go on this thing. And she would come back and everybody, everybody there would be like, are you serious? 
you took your vacation days to go hang out with a bunch of teenagers in a van and sleep in uncomfortable beds. And what were you doing? You're weird. You did that? Huh. I'm telling you, when you start to put your life as a Christ-centered life, you start to stand out from the crowd just a little bit. In John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20, it says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. They will persecute you also. So number one is to expect it. Number two is to endure it. Number two is to endure it. In 1 Corinthians 4.12, it says, When we are cursed, when we are cursed, we bless. And when we are persecuted, we endure it. Don't whine. Don't gripe. Don't complain. Don't be noisy about it. Jesus didn't whine and gripe on the cross. Jesus didn't whine and gripe about his persecution. He went through the persecution because he knew that this was part of the journey. Listen, when, when you're going through a persecuted time in your life, we need to be able to be in a place where we can bless God, where we can praise God. Persecution that we endure in this country is incredibly light to other countries. <clears throat> you see, something happens when we endure persecution. You see, when, you're in, when you endure it, God does something inside of you. There's something that happens inside of you. When you endure, your roots grow deeper. It does something in you. Endurance builds spiritual resolve. In fact, I almost think that we are missing out on something as a church sometimes because we don't face persecution. Because it is so easy here to be a Christian in our country. I'm telling you that when you're persecuted, when you, have, when you really face like brutal persecution like in some other countries in the world, you got, you got to be like, man, I'm, I'm for real about this. I'm for real about my faith because I know that I'm going to get physically beat. I might die. They might kill my whole family. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, like we missed out on some of that, man, the, the challenge and the friction that would drive us deeper into our roots. So if, you, if you're going to grow deeper in Christ, it's not going to happen accidentally. You've got to be intentional about trying to grow deeper in Christ, which is why we have small groups. Shameless small group plug. Get into a small group. And together, you guys grow deeper and deeper into the, into the Word of God. Having a little persecution almost puts us, having little persecution almost puts us at a disadvantage because it doesn't cost us much to be a Christian. See, persecution brings unity, and it brings passion, and it brings boldness. So when your family stands together in Christ, it unites your family. It strengthens you. It strengthens you. In fact, your family identity in Christ needs to be strong. It really does. See, when your family identity is strong, peer pressure is weak. But when your identity, family identity is weak, peer pressure is strong. So if you're raising children right now, I'm telling you, make your family identity in Christ strong. That way the peer pressure won't push them here or there. If they have strong roots in their faith, as the winds of peer pressure blow against them, it doesn't just knock them over. It doesn't push them here and push them there and push them the other way. It's not that your kids aren't going to face those trials. It's not that they're not going to face those temptations. But when their family unit is strong, it helps keep them strong so that they're not being blown from here or there or anywhere. So I'm telling you, keep your family identity strong. 
First was expect it. Number two was embrace it and, or um, endure it. And number three is embrace it. Embrace it. So uh, uh, 1 Peter 4 says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> but rejoice in as much as you are participate in the sufferings of Christ. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. And if the band would come out, I'm going to wrap up right now and close up the message. So there was this farmer who had this empty well on his property. It was a big well. It was empty, but it was, it was, it was abandoned, and, and it didn't have any water in it anymore. And, um, and then, then they forgot to close it up one day, um, and so it left this huge open hole in the ground. And one day, one of his cows came across and, and across it, and they, they came walking, and the cow falls in. And so the cow's in the bottom of the hill, or the bottom of the well, and the farmer comes along, and he's like, what are we going to do with this thing? I don't know. We've got to pull it out. So they tried to loop like a rope down and around its belly to pull it out. They couldn't get it out. It's just too heavy. You know, they, they couldn't get it to lift. And they're trying everything that they could to try to get this cow out of this well. They tried for days. And eventually they realized, we're just not going to get this cow out of this well. Like, well, what are you going to do? I mean, this thing's just going to, like, we want to put it out of its misery or something. How are we going to do it? And they, so the farmer and, and his, his uh, farm hands, they all decided, you know what? Let's just bury it. Let's just bury it alive. This will be its grave. And we'll fill in the whole well so no other animals fall in. It seems like the most prudent thing to do at this point. And so they, they take a shovel and they throw it in. And they start throwing this dirt in on top of this cow. And see, the cow, it, the, the dirt comes in and lands on the cow, and it hits his head, and it's dust everywhere. <coughs> I don't know if cows make that sound. This one did. This cow is like, <coughs> you know. And, and so the cow, like, shakes the dirt off, and, and it comes coming on. Oh, come on. And, and, and it keeps shoveling it in. The, the cow keeps squirming and getting this dirt off its back. It doesn't like it. And, and, and it keeps, oh, this is, I don't like this at all. And it keeps shoveling and shoveling and shoveling and shoveling. But every time the cow keeps moving, he's expecting the dirt to hit him. He's, embr- he's, he's in, enduring the falling, and now he's embracing it. And now he's stepping on the dirt, and he's stamping on it, trying to, and all of a sudden, they, they, he starts stepping on the dirt that was falling on him. And, the, and it starts building up the levels and the levels and the levels. And eventually, they threw enough dirt in there to fill up the well, and the cow just walks right out of that well. Come on. Now, when the enemy starts throwing stuff at you, you have a couple options. You could lay down and just go, oh, woe is me. I can't believe this is happening. My Facebook friends dropped by 10%. Oh, no, what am I going to do? I got uninvited to that party. And you could just curl up on the ground in the fetal position and just let the, the dirt pile on you and pile on you and pile on you. But that's not what God's telling us to do. He's telling us that when things fall on us, it says right here in that verse, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. So church, we got to stand up. We got to start stepping on it. We got to start shaking it off. We got to start to be able to stand on that dirt. And I'm telling you the same thing that the enemy meant to cause you harm is what God is going to use to build you up. He's going to build you up in your faith. Come on church, will you stand with me? Will you stand with me? We're telling you, let's start start stopping. We got to step that out. Come on, when the enemy's throwing stuff on you, you just got to step it out, right? You got to stand on that dirt. You just got to shake it off. And I'm telling you that, that we have to expect it. We have to endure it, and we have to embrace it. We have to embrace it. The persecution that comes against us, the enemy meant it for bad, but God wants to use it for good. God wants to use it for good. See, if you are a Christ-centered family, if you are a Christ-centered family, you will be persecuted. Here's the thing. I don't want you to worry when you're persecuted. Don't worry when you're persecuted. Because when the persecution's coming, I'm telling you, the enemy's throwing stuff on you and trying to keep you down. 
when the persecution's coming, you have resistance against you. And it's like, man, I get so worried and stressed out. Listen, don't get, perse- don't get worried when you're persecuted. Be worried when you're not persecuted. Because if you're being persecuted, you're walking in the right direction. You're standing out. You're not blending in with the crowd and society. You see, when you're persecuted, then all of a sudden you realize, I'm actually different than the society around me. I'm actually standing for something that others may not be standing for. And when you're standing on the Word of God, when you are persecuted because you're pursuing righteousness, and you're keeping yourself pure, and you're, and you're living in community, and you're being a peacemaker, when you're doing these things like it says in Matthew 5, and you start to become persecuted for that, celebrate it. Celebrate it. Do your happy cow dance in the well and say, I'm shaking this off and I'm stepping on it and I know that what God meant for evil, he's using, but the enemy meant for evil, God's going to use it for good in my life. Listen, we don't kind of settle for a blended average family. We're going to make a difference with our family. So this morning, I want to pray for you, but here's what I want first, is is if you say today, I need to become an even more Christ-centered in the way that I live. If I want to become even more Christ-centered in the way down, if, if that's where you're at, will you put your hand up in the air? Hands going up all over the place saying, like, yeah, I need to become more Christ-centered. I see areas through, in, in, through, this, through the scripture that we've been going through. I see areas where I need to make some adjustments. Amen, amen. I'm pray for you guys. So if every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, I just pray for the people this morning that are saying, I need to become more Christ-centered. And for those that didn't put their hands up but they're still feeling that way, God, I pray that you bless them too. God, help us to see the persecution as a blessing and not a hindrance. God, help us to see that. God, help us to, to be able to become make you the center. Let our decisions go through you. Help us to be what you want us to be. And with your head still bowed and eyes closed, you might be here this morning and you have not made a decision to follow Christ. Maybe you've, maybe you've been here uh, and maybe you've been to church before. Maybe you've been coming around here for a little while. Maybe you've been here all your life. And you said, you know, I've really never made Christ the center of my life. I've never put my faith in him 100%. Or maybe you walked away. Listen, today's the day that you can come back. Today's the day that he can, he can come back. He, you can be reunited with God again. If that's where you're at today, I just want you to look at me and put your hand in the air. Saying, yeah, today's the day I need to make a decision to follow Christ. Today's the day I need to make a decision to follow Christ. See this hand over here. Heavenly Father. Thank you. Thank you. So church, will you just repeat after me? And for those that raise their hand, will you, will you make sure you repeat this with us? Dear Jesus, I choose to make you the center of my life. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again to bring me new life. God, today I ask you to fill my life with your presence that brings new life again. Amen. Amen, church. Come on, celebrate with those who made a decision to follow. Amen. As we wrap up this morning, that's right, the band's going to play a song. They're going to worship, but we have prayer teams that are here that want to pray with you. So they're going to be on either side of the stage but willing to pray with you. If you made that decision today, I want to talk to you personally. I've got a resource for you that's going to help you on your way. Um, and, uh, and so come on, church. Let's sing one last song. If you need to leave now, you can. But uh, that's it. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.